Hey, Shiloh family, I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you're looking forward to a new year. And even though it looks as if 2021 is going to start in much the same way 2020 ended, we have hope that things could be different this year. But more than that, I think we as a church have hope because of what we've seen God do this past year through us. At a time when most churches are struggling to stay afloat and struggling to figure out how to do ministry, I feel like Shiloh Road has flourished as much as we possibly could during these really uncertain times. And I believe God has amazing things in store for us in the future. And so this morning, I want to look forward by looking back. I want to look forward at our 2030 vision in light of our teachings from the past year and try to look back at the things that God has taught us and showed us through our times together. One of our key aspects of our 2030 vision is that we would be a church that exalts Christ. That we remember that Jesus is the center of our world, the center of our church, the center of everything that we do. And that in our life, there is nothing greater than Jesus. Jesus is greater than blank. Jesus is greater than blank. And here's the thing, is you can fill in the blank with anything you want. And what Paul wants you to grasp, what Paul wants you to understand, is Jesus is greater than anything you can find in this world. And Paul has his list, right? I mean, he, and we can go with our list that we know the Bible so, so well. And that we're really, really intelligent. And that when we come to church, we know all the songs, even the newer songs that aren't even in the songbook. And we're here every time the doors are open. And morally, we got everything down. We're headed in the right direction. And we are super connected. That was my birthday present when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and then you, you're connected all over the world, and you, you travel, and all of your needs are met because you make some money to provide for yourself, and, and your name has been made great. Um, you're a star in your business, in your school, and your kids are flawless. They, they win the awards. And, and in fact, you win some awards too. And you eat really well because you have lots of money. And your relationship with your spouse is just phenomenal. And you get lots of likes <laughs> from people. I consider it all waste, garbage, manure compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord.
for whose sake, listen, for whose sake I've lost all things that I may gain Christ. I've lost all things that I may gain Christ. So, so in other words, as great as all that seems, there is one thing that outlasts, that outweighs everything this world has to offer. And what Paul says is Christ is greater than anything. Jesus is greater than. And if you were to grab his sign, it would look something like this. Jesus is greater. That was from one of our messages in the Philippians series, Finding Joy in an Anxious World. And I believe it's so important to remind ourselves, as our world gets more complex and our ordinary is transformed and changed from what we're used to, it's easier and easier to lose sight of what's most important. And I think we always need that reminder that Jesus is greater than anything else we chase after. But sometimes the difficult times that we go through, difficult times like we've been through this past year, can really make us question and wonder where God is. But I think it's in those moments that we truly find what we were looking for. And I think in the middle of the journey, at times we struggle to remember what it is that we truly are looking for. This is from the very first series that we did in the middle of the pandemic. As, as we were being quarantined and staying home and meeting almost completely online, we did a series called Wilderness and wonderings. Because you did not trust in me, enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. And I hear that part of the story, and it honestly makes me a little bit angry. Wait, 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 because I've heard what Moses dealt with leading the Israelites. And all I can think is that is not fair. Like, seriously, the last 80 years basically in the wilderness, leading these people the last 40 years, complaining, grumbling, doing what they shouldn't, and then Moses one mistake, one time, he doesn't listen to the presence of God. And all I can think is that is not fair. It's not fair where the people were. It's not fair that Moses is going to be kept out. And I kept thinking, why, why, why does God keep Moses out of the wilderness? Until something occurred to me. God doesn't keep Moses out of the wilderness. Moses keeps Moses out of the wilderness. It was Moses' choice to be obedient to God's voice. It was Moses' choice to do as God had led him. It was Moses' 
kept Moses out. See, here's the thing. Your past may follow you. It doesn't have to define you, but it may follow you. It may be very difficult to break away from. Your past may also determine the directions that you're able to go. Your your choices and your past may determine whether your marriage makes it or not. Your, Your choices may determine whether you get to keep your job or not. Your choices have consequences, and your choices will affect other people. They always do. And here's the thing. I don't think it was Moses. There's no possibility you could ever get in. But I do think it's Moses. You're out of time. This is where life will end. That's what's so funny about this story. We always... Think about the wilderness as just this phase that we're going through. You know, you hear people say that, you know, the desert is not the destination. It's just something that you're going through. But what about for Moses? For Moses, the wilderness will be the end. For Moses, that's where the story will find its conclusion for his life. And Moses' life ends as he climbs up onto this mountain, the side of this mountain, and there he can look out and he can see the promised land. And yet all the time in this story, from the time that Moses strikes the rock, the moment that he dies on the side of the mountain, overlooking the promised land, you never hear Moses say, this is not fair. God, why don't you give me another chance? You never see him begging and pleading, no, we've got to go. Because in my mind, that's what his life, those last 40 years have been about, is getting everyone, including myself, to the promised land. That's the most important thing. I've got to get the people there. And then I'm going to die with the promised land just right beyond my touch. Never going to experience it. And my thought is this has got to be so disheartening. How how in the world could this happen to Moses who's led so faithfully for so long? And I noticed something in the story. Something struck me as I was reading it over and over and over. God does not leave Moses. He tells him you're not going to go to the promised land. But he does not leave him. He does not abandon him. He does not give up on him. In fact, he still uses Moses to lead the people just to the edge of the promised land and appoint a new leader. And you think, how in the world... How in the world could Moses spend his whole life striving for this one thing? Just to get to the promised land and get so close you could touch it and then not get to go in. How in the world could Moses possibly be comfortable with that? How could he be at peace and how could he not be angry? Something occurred to me. See, it wasn't that Moses didn't want to get to the promised land. 
No, it was that Moses had found something better than the promised land. It was the presence of God. What a great reminder from the life of Moses. I still look back at that story and I think that is not fair, that Moses was outside the promised land looking in with the journey that he made through his life. But in the end, I think Moses discovered what I hope we all can discover, that the presence of God is the greatest thing we could find in our life. That reminder that Jesus is greater than all that we could pursue, think about and ask for. You know, but during certain times, it's very difficult to follow Jesus. Almost as if we feel trapped, sometimes trapped by our sin, sometimes trapped by the sin of other people. And we feel like there's no way out. Part of the story that hits me the hardest is how the story ends. Verse 13 says, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him for an opportune time. When, when he had finished all this tempting, he, he left him to seek a better opportunity, a more opportune time. And it makes me stop and think, whoa, 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 whoa. How can there be a more opportune time than this? Jesus has spent 40 days with no food. Can you imagine how depleted his body is? Can, can you imagine what it would be like? How is it possible there could be a more opportune time than this? But we know the story. And we know how it ends. And we know that there is going to be another opportune time when Jesus' friends who are surrounding Him and holding Him up, one of them betrays Him. And the others that are close to Him fall asleep on Him. And they deny that they even know Him. And He has to walk the road to the cross all by Himself. We know that there's going to be a more opportune time. And we know that the moment, the gravity of the situation in this moment is huge because we know that one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. This one moment could change the trajectory of history forever. And humanity hangs in the balance. This moment is so important. But there's a moment for you that's important as well. There's a moment for you that's so difficult as you're a teenager and your boyfriend or girlfriend is pushing you to make decisions that you know you shouldn't make. And the temptation is just to give in. The temptation is just to, to let it go. But this one moment could change every moment because it was just messing around, but now you have a kid. And everything in your life is different from that point forward. And it's not that God can't forgive it and God can't redeem it, but your life is different because of that step. It's the addiction that you are so caught up in that cost your marriage or that has the potential to end your marriage. And all you have to do is step back from it and say no. And that one decision in that moment, everything from that point forward, hangs in the balance. The decision is so important. 
It's the lie that you've been telling. It's the trust that you've lost. In this one moment, the decision you make could affect every moment that follows. In Corinthians, it tells us, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. And no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when the voice comes, when the little whisper, no one's looking, it's okay. It's going to stay in the dark. It's not going to be that big of a deal. No one will ever know. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So that you can stand up under it. What does it mean to be God's child in this world when temptation comes? It means that we are going to be tempted. But He is going to send His Spirit to strengthen us and to guide our steps, and to help us to follow Him. And above everything else, He will provide a way out. And that is the good news. There is a way out. But here's the problem. So many of you look around right now, and you see the temptation, and you don't see a way out. Because you look around and it seems like there's no other place to go from here. But here's the good news. There is a way out. But sometimes you have to look really hard for it. Because sometimes it's not as obvious as you want it to be. It's not this massive set of double doors that swings open and lights up and says, here is the path. Sometimes the door is a lot more difficult to find. Sometimes the door takes some searching for. Because at first, it's not super clear where it is. But let me tell you this, some doors you will only see once you're on your knees. Some of the doors you find will only be found when you are putting your life in the hands and the presence of God and asking Him to show you the way. Some doors are so difficult to see, and some of those doors will not open until we pray and we beg God to be there in this place for us. God, I need you. I need your strength. I need you to show me a way out because I feel like I'm stuck and I don't know where to go. And God, I need you. Some of those doors are so difficult because it seems like an impossibility to fit through. And maybe in that moment, the only thing we can do is fit our hand through. And this trembling hand say, God, God, I need you. I need you like never before because I'm caught in the lie, I'm caught in the temptation. My spouse doesn't know. My boss doesn't know. They don't know what I've been doing. They don't know who I am on the inside. They don't know with what I'm wrestling with. God, I need your help. Isn't it amazing? It is the times that we feel trapped, that we're promised there is a way out. Part of our mission, part of our vision as a church is that we would encourage one another. I believe many times, one another 
the people that are around us, the people that we gather with, the people that we're in relationship with, that we're accountable to, the people that we're walking with and studying with and growing with, I think many times are the doorway that God has provided. They're a way to help us through those difficult times. And I think it's so important that we continue, regardless how long this pandemic lasts, that we continue to find ways to connect with one another and help each other during these times. That we stay connected and continue to encourage one another because it helps push us forward as a church. You know, the other part of our mission and vision is Shiloh Road, is that we would be a church that engages our neighbor. Not just our neighbors across the globe, but literally your neighbor and my neighbor next door. Our neighbors here at the church. And in 2021, our focus is trying to move from the inside to the outside getting outside these walls in whatever capacity that can look like in this new year and truly be a church that engages our neighbor. And we must keep that at the forefront of our mission as a church. Because when a church loses sight of the people who aren't a part of it and ministering to those who are lost and hurting and broken, when we lose sight of that, we fail to be a church. Because that was the purpose of Jesus coming to earth, to seek and save that what was lost. To be a bridge for the broken, to bring them to God. And we get to partner with Him in bringing that hope into this world. And we can never lose sight of that. And I love Luke's telling of this story because of the details that he includes, because it makes it so vivid and so easy to picture yourself there because what happens is there's these four friends. I know it doesn't say four, but there's this mat and there's four corners. So of course there's four people. They're carrying their friend on a mat because they heard rumors about this rabbi from Nazareth who is healing people and is preaching this message of hope. And it's got everyone curious. And, and all these people have come from all over the surrounding areas to hear Jesus. And these four friends decide, hey, we know where he's going to be today, so we're going to take our friend and we're going to get him before Jesus. And so they pick their friend up on a mat. They start walking towards the place where Jesus is going to be. But as they come close, they start to hear this roar of a crowd because there's a lot of people. And as they approach the house, they realize that people are pouring out of the house and there's not a place to even get close to the house because the crowd is so large. They're all there to hear this rabbi that they were convinced could possibly help their friend. And so they get to the, the house and they see it, the crowd flowing out into the street. And you know at that moment they sunk their head and they were disappointed because they had worked to get their friend to Jesus and now they weren't going to be able to. And so the friends, they see the crowds pouring out and you know there's a frustration. But then they look at their friend. There, there's always that one friend in the group. The friend who is really quiet and you can tell there's something going on in his head. And after a few moments of silence, all you hear is, dude, the roof. 
and he gets this huge smile on his face and the other friends start looking and saying, there's no way. And he goes, no, 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 no. We're going to take him up on the roof. And the other friends ask, well, what are we gonna do? Are we just gonna rip a hole in the roof and throw him down? Well, he's paralyzed, why not? So they, they decide that they're going to try this. And so, you know, they hop up on the back of a camel and onto the fence and then onto the rooftop and they get this friend up onto the roof and then they start ripping a hole in the roof. And I can just imagine the homeowner at this point, just like, ah, we don't have insurance. What's going to happen? And then comes this moment that they lower their friend down through the hole in the roof that they've made and they place him right before Jesus. And I, I love the story. I, I love the creativity and the way that they're thinking. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if as a church, as individuals, if that was our heartbeat, that we will do whatever it takes to get people who are far from Jesus in front of him. We will do whatever it takes by any means necessary. If we have to stop meeting together for a time and do everything on video, we're going to do whatever we can do to get people who are far from Jesus to Jesus because we believe he has the power to heal and the power to save. But these men, these men believe that Jesus has the power to heal. So much so that they're willing to go to extraordinary lengths to get their friend to Jesus. And I think we learned something really, really powerful here. If you will commit to the what, and you are consumed by the why, then you will figure out the how. So the focus of the next year is figuring out the how. Because as we move towards our 2030 vision, collectively as a church, we have to figure out new ways to reach people and get them in front of Jesus. But it's not something that just has to happen collectively as a church. It must become the heartbeat of our church as individuals. How as individuals do we reach the people who live next door, who work with us? who go to school with us, or who are in our classes, who shop in the same stores. How do we reach the people that we come in contact with every day? Because I believe God has placed you in their life for a purpose. Because you are His hands and feet. You are the mouthpiece that He is calling to reach those people who do not know Him. And it must be the heartbeat of each of us as a church, if we truly want to be a church that engages our neighbors. The story says that Peter and John, one day they walked by. And it left me with a question. How many times had Peter and John walked past this man? Because this was a normal day. It was three in the afternoon and everyone in Jerusalem was going to the temple to pray as they did every day. And this man was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful to be put there to beg as he did every day. This was a day like every other day. 
And I wonder how many times Peter and John had been right there every single day of their life and walked right past this man and never noticed him. And I wonder if at some level that starts to give you this sense of hopelessness, this heartache, this hurt, this pain, this, this question, will every day for the rest of my life always be like this day? Because this day I feel stuck in. This day I feel like will never end. This day is getting to be repetitive. Because it's not just Peter and John who walk by every day. It feels like it's everyone who walks by every day. And they're going to the temple to pray. It says that the man gave them his attention. But notice something. He does not give them his attention until Peter and John give him theirs. He's begging, he's asking, just like he does every day, because this day is no different than any other day that has been before. And to him, it's the day that's going to be the same as every other day. It's just a repeat. It's Groundhog Day over and over and over again. But this day, this day is different. This day, Peter and John notice. And not only did they notice, they stopped and they talked to him. And the story got me to wondering, like, how many times every day do I walk past people stuck on the same day and forget that there is a person because the tendency is to walk on by and not see a person but to see a problem, something that has to be fixed, something that has to be solved, someone there's a problem. He's a problem because he's sitting outside the temple gate called beautiful, and this is not beautiful. And it makes us ask the question, what is it that's truly beautiful? Is it the building? Is it the, the magnificent structure? Or is it the people that gather that comprise that temple in the first place? And where Peter and John, in this one moment, make this one day different, they grab the rope and they start to pull because they're for him. And here's the thing. I think every day before they were always for him. They just didn't have the time to notice that he was there in the first place. Because if we're going to be for people, we've got to open our eyes not just simply to the people who come through these doors, but to the people you see every single day in your work, in your neighborhood, walking through your neighborhood, in the grocery store. Do you take the time to notice? Because it's possible that their one day is just like every other day, but you have the power to change that into one day that was noticed. I love how the story starts. One day, when they were going to the temple to pray, as they did every day, 
They did something different that day. They noticed someone who up until that day, no one else had noticed and no one else had seen. They saw him and they gave him their attention. And all they said is, I don't have what you're asking for, but I do have something. I have something to give. I have my hand that I can reach out to you. I have my time. I have my attention. I can give you that. I might not be able to give you money, but I can give you what I have. And then, then they gave the power of the Spirit of God working through their lives to this man. And the lame man walks. I believe God has some amazing things in store for us in this new year as a church as we seek to be a church that exalts Christ, encourages one another, and engages our neighbor. I believe we're going to see God show up in this new year in ways that we could not imagine, ways we would not expect, ways that might not even be possible if it weren't for the circumstances we find ourselves in. So together, let's be praying that God shows up in powerful ways to help us as we engage our neighbors in 2021. It is going to be an amazing year to see God at work in our lives and the power of His Spirit displayed for all to see. Have a great new year. Grace and peace.